All right. Uh, so yeah, what what are what are people watching during uh, quarantine? I've just been uh, watching Crazy Ex Girlfriend recently, which yeah. I, I like a lot. It's a musical, and it's a one of those sitcoms. It's a female forward sitcom that's like too smart for regular TV. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching uh, Shira, which has been uh, really awesome. The last season just aired and, or just posted to Netflix. I don't know if that's called airing anymore. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> how, we're, how we're classifying things. <laughs> um, but yeah, the I think it was the fifth or sixth season. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, it's such a good animated show. Um, it's definitely like you know it's like made for kids but it's like you know young adult kind of like borderline like where it definitely has like themes that are um you know can be like pretty like emotional and kind of heavy because it's uh you know these characters like are in this like war (laughs) and so anytime (laughs) you do like that it's like yeah there's gonna be like some uh you know some like heavy heavy themes but um it's also like a really fun show it's like very um you know the power of friendship you know tropes Mm. um but it's a really fun show and i like the animation style a lot um it's very um like it's very queer too like there's you know characters like that are queer there's like one of the main characters um like his he has two dads um nice and i don't want to spoil anything for like the last season if anyone you know hasn't seen it but um yeah there's like some really really good moments in there of like um like one of the main relationships in the show that's like um yeah you can it's one of those things where like you think they're not gonna (laughs) do the thing go there and then they're like oh yeah (laughs) nice nice uh yeah yeah it was pretty great um Oh, I just uh, I, was going to say about Shira that like that gives me hope given the really nasty things, like <laughs> raunchy things I did with my Shira Princess of Power dolls when I was oh a God. kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like uh, DreamWorks is really like killing it right now with like the animation, like in terms of, um, you know, just like having like really good animation, having like fun shows. Uh, and then also just like really like actually, you know, taking the, uh, you know, just taking like inclusivity as a part of their shows of like, um, Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast is another really good one too that um, has like a lot of like you know black characters and characters of color, uh, and also has like uh, you know queer characters in it where it's not like. Um, like, you know, the being queer of it isn't, like, the struggle, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's not, uh, like, the entire definition of the character. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not just, like, oh, like, you know, my life is so hard and, you know, this and that because <laughs> of my queerness. It's, like, no, I'm queer, but, like, also <laughs> still, you know, a person beyond, you know, my <laughs> Beyond queerness. that. A, a, a beyond complex the, yeah. person. <laughs> But yeah, so it's really awesome. And like, because they're in these like, you know, fantastical worlds, it's like, you know, kind of it's able to imagine a world where like none of this is a problem with any other characters. Like that's not a problem for anyone in the show is like their queerness is never an issue of like contention. 
Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, Tara, what about you? What have you been watching? Well, I think I watched the not great version of that in watching um, <laughs> Hollywood, the new Ryan Murphy show, which I kind of turned on in the middle of the night when I had insomnia and kind of napped through it. So I yeah. <laughs> that's an indication of uh, it's trying really hard. I'll say that. Yeah, I feel like um, Ryan Murphy was like Ryan Murphy things were good until they weren't good. Um, <laughs> Very much. <yeah. laughs> and like the best thing that's come out of like Ryan Murphy was like the thing that he had the least to do with, which was Pose. Yes. <laughs> Where he just let other people tell the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From like everything I've seen. And, and it's like a part of it is just like, you know, I feel like Ryan Murphy definitely has uh, a type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, definitely just like translates into like you know all of his you know male castings in his shows of like oh yeah like we're gonna get uh, a darren chris or we're gonna get a um what's the um i mean really almost any you know dark haired uh chiseled jawline yep uh, <laughs> you know, thin but muscular um like guy is gonna like you can count on that being in any uh, Ryan Murphy show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would have loved a world where Rock Hudson came out when he was 20. Right. Um, <laughs> but the fact that everyone's beautiful and keeps succeeding up and is constantly saved by white people uh, in the role of like Patty Lapone. I mean, she's great, but it's like, uh, there's some real white savior stuff going on in that. And yeah. 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 That's a, like one of those tropes where, cause I, there, I know there's like a, from what I've seen in the trailer, there was like, you know, a gay relation, a gay interracial relationship. Um, but like anytime in like media, there's an interracial relationship. It's like always like a person of color and a white person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I never even like... thought about that until you pointed it out, but it's so true. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's like, you know, like two people of color can be of different races and also be together, you know? Yeah. Like white people don't have to be involved all the time, you know? Yes, we do. <laughs> Craig, I don't know if you know the rules of the media, but white people are in charge of everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that whole thing and then like you know there's uh i know like laura harrier is in it um who was great in um black clansman yes. yep yep yes. yeah yep and she's um, great in this she's great in it right so there's yeah. some good roles and some good acting but some of the politics yeah. are just mm. well yeah and that's the other thing too of like um like yes it's wonderful that laura harrier you know can get work but it's also like a thing of like uh, you know, if there's a black woman cast in it, there's like a certain shade threshold that like mm-hmm. they never go past in order to like cast a black woman in a leading role. Mm-hmm. And so like that whole thing is just like a whole other thing of like, these are things that we keep seeing over and over again. And yet, you know, the quote unquote powers that be uh, either, you know, don't seem to notice it or 
don't seem to care. So <laughs> it's just like, yep, yeah, okay. I think I'll pass on that one. I'm, you know, I'm I'm sure it's a fine, entertaining thing for you know people to watch. But... It's perfect for insomnia <laughs> slash sleeping through, <laughs> like yeah. napping through. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> My highest rating. <laughs> Great to nap to. <laughs> that should just be in like the tab. On yep. <laughs> yeah, things to nap through. <laughs> I'm sure Netflix wouldn't mind. They'll still get the numbers. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> At eight hours of hitting play. Based on your interest in ocean sounds. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, come on, algorithms. Let's get to work. <laughs> Oh, well, let's uh, talk about the movie that we're we're here to talk about today, um, which is Spike Lee's Inside Man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie is, what, 2006? 2006. Uh, which, I don't know, it feels like, um, well, I, I guess we can get into this a little bit more. Um, do one of you want to break this down since you both are... I uh, have seen this movie many times, and this was my first time when I watched it like a week ago. <laughs> Tara, you want to take this one? No, nope, Colin, it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, white man. You get to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get you... to talk about a Spike Lee film. <laughs> Inside Man is a 2006 film by Spike Lee. It's a um, heist movie where... Uh, Clive Owen and a bunch of his uh, cohorts are robbing a Manhattan bank. Uh, they are being investigated by Denzel Washington and Chituel Ajiafor, who are the detectives. Um, they are Those detectives are supported by Willem Dafoe. Um, Christopher Plummer is the owner of the bank, and he uh, hires... Um, Oh, Jody Foster. Jody Foster. Yes, yeah. thank you. I cannot believe I was blanking on you. <laughs> he hires Jody Foster as a uh, clandestine um, kind of fixer to try and get what's in his safety deposit box before the robbers or the cops or the media or anybody else does. Uh, that's kind of my little non spoiler <laughs> breakdown of the movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like the opening five minutes of this movie, I mean, I've seen this multiple times, but it was really on this viewing where I was like, oh, the opening five minutes set up all the themes. And it's so smartly done, right? That the from the song that is played at the beginning, which I looked up and I'm just going to read from uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Why is Chaya 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 in Inside Man? And uh Wikipedia tells me that um, it features, it's a remix of a Bollywood song. This is the Bollywood joint version um, with added rap lyrics about people of different backgrounds coming together in order to survive, <laughs> right? So uh-huh. we, we have that as the opening music. Uh, we have Clive Owen's direct address to the camera, which hints at the intricate storytelling we're about he to see, right? Does. He does. I mean, he, the first thing he says is pay very close attention. Yes. Yeah. And and then goes through the five W's of who, what, when, why, and where, right? Yeah. And then says, and by- I never and, repeat myself. In a, in a shot, by the way, where it's a one shot centered on Clive Owen and in the background, 
like the background is zooming out, like or yes. zooming in. It's so cool. Yes, it's and such slowly, a, a thing. Like, yep, yeah. and slowly reveals this kind of like cinder block background, kind of jail like background or institutional background um, that hinting that not all uh, cells are prisons. Um, he points you to look at the how, right? So the intricate storytelling is all the how, and there might be an extra why in here. Like, why are they doing this? And then that leads, and then the um, kind of driving scene, the credit scene of them starting in Coney Island, pick, kind of picking up the crew along the way on the BQE, on the Bronx, Bronx Queen, uh, Brooklyn and Queens Expressway, through Chinatown to Wall Street, right? The kind of heart of money and corruption <laughs> and American greed, right? So we start from Coney Island and end up there. So the kind of plurality of New York is already being kind of hinted at. So I, it just, it, again, every time I rewatch a Spike Lee movie, I'm, I, I learn more and kind of, it just, it, it sets up those three themes immediately and um, really smartly. Yeah. And I'd love, um, kind of hard to talk about this without giving too much away but i think we have uh, to I do an all spoilers spoilers on this movie because well it, i also kind of want to go in order a little bit even yes, if we're doing yep, spoilers but yep, like yep. just from the opening scene i do love how um you know with that shot it very much looks like uh you know clive owen is like in an interrogation room mm-hmm. uh, it looks like you know he's like uh you know under the lens uh of uh, you know, and as we go through the movie, we see, you know, various people being interrogate, interrogated. Yes. Uh, and so it plays as like this, like uh, him telling the story through uh, through like a police interrogation. Yes. It's got the hard one solid spotlight on him. It's got the cinder blocks. Oh, it's so good. It's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just remember writing like at the top of it, like, uh, like with the music was just like that it's very like uh that like stereotypical like desert music that plays uh in a lot of movies where you know you have like the undulating the like ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> the every movie since like 2003 <laughs> yeah and i also love like how immediately like recognizable uh the music is to like uh like it's pretty clear that you know spike lee has worked with uh the composer uh terrence blanchard Mm -hmm. uh because like this music like i was like oh like i immediately picked up on like the same um like musical quality of like black Klansmen. that Mm -hmm. i I actually made a note of that that it's a lot of the music is actually used a lot of the same music from this is used in black Klansmen. yeah and it well it's the same composer uh which he's like you know a jazz musician uh or trained in jazz and then like you know has worked with uh you know spike lee and in film for you know a while and so you can feel you can like hear those like jazzy undertones like really well and they like really really like add this like uh like signature element to like the movies that he's in which is awesome like i it's one of those things where um i feel like now that i have like these like dots connected is what I was like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like watching like other movies that he's in I would be able to like pick out that like that like signature style which is awesome like it's it's really great to have like a mark as uh as a composer especially in film and um yeah I feel like honestly like 
he should be up there with like you know the Hans Zimmer's and the, the John Williams uh, and yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even a Danny Elfman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, oh yeah, like I get, I get the like when you can immediately like know like who has like composed music in a movie, like that's just like such a really amazing like way to be able to like stand out it's 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 mm-hmm. i loved it <laughs> so yeah uh yeah big ups to terrence blanchard <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i feel like this we should i guess get into like the the robbery aspect of this um which uh i love this um God, it's such an interesting take on a heist movie. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's one of those things where like I, um, I haven't you know like seen a whole lot of Spike Lee movies, um, but this one definitely feels like I don't know like what was what he was doing around this time in terms of movies, but it's, this feels like it's something that was like a little bit out of his like typical, yeah. Like, genre and style um because you know he definitely does a lot of like um you know political commentary which you know definitely runs through this movie um but it's it's kind of like packaged in this like kind of blockbustery type slick well-told blockbuster of a heist movie yeah yeah the first time i watched it i was like and you know obviously there are some hints that it's spike lee right that it's in new york that it has this you know kind of particular uh, musical sound to it and, but that it was ours, Denzel. That it's ours, Denzel, yeah. right? That dolly shot too. Yes, <laughs> yes. The dolly shots are very always spiky. there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but that um, it's really the scene where uh, the first time I watched it, like many years ago, it was the scene where there's a character named Jesus and a character named Vikram in the same scene, and I was like, yeah. "This is a Spike Lee joint, <laughs> right?" <laughs> and that and it's that scene where um, that one of the hostages has been sent out when Vikram has been sent out, and the, the police are messing with his turban and kind of mistaking him as an quote-unquote arab yeah, when, when they, who uh, has a bomb <laughs> yeah they find like the tray like a bank tray tied to him and they think it's a bomb and then they are uncovering him and they say oh shit he's an arab when they see that he's wearing a, a turban. yes <laughs> and then and then later um when the, the that character is saying hey like give me my turban bag like this is religious blah 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 you called me this and yeah, um, your cops out there call me an arab and willem dafoe says i don't think you heard that you, you don't know what you heard. You must have been disoriented, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, that that there's that scene, right? That happened. The um, kind of uh, you know the police uh, harassing the um, victim, right? The kind of uh, uh, hostage, and then it goes right to um, uh, Jodie Foster going to Mr. Mayor, where he calls her a okay. I'm going to say a naughty word now because there's lots of naughty words in this movie, <laughs> where he calls her a magnificent cunt, right? <laughs> And then it goes to Christopher Plummer's character offering the police a jet yes. as a record scratch, right? Yeah, yeah that was hilarious. Where he's like, oh, do you need me to get one get- for you? <laughs> yeah. so, so, uh, for the listener who might not have watched this, Christopher Plummer is the bank owner and he walks into the command center for the police. And there's, well, what are their demands? And they said, well, they want a jet. And Christopher Plummer, not reading the room at all, says, oh, do you want me to arrange one for you? <laughs> Record scratch, like the music, or, like, you know. And so those three scenes together, 
I was like, ah, oh, Spike Lee, I love you. <laughs> right? Like, here it is. Here it is. And that it's in this, as you're saying, um, Craig, in this kind of very, uh, like, not, it's outside of his usual genre. It's outside of his usual tone. But there's so many influences of his filmmaking and kind of politics yeah. in it. It, it even has his little Spike Lee Hitchcock cameo in it. Did y'all catch it? No. Where is he? It's uh, about 13 minutes in when um, the police are cordoning off the block and they're setting up the barricades. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee is like the guy right in front of the barricades in this blue t-shirt. And he's, <laughs> yeah. So nice. you, can, you can see Spike Lee do his little Spike Lee cameo. Nice. <laughs> no, I totally missed that. <laughs> Um, I'm happy to keep jumping around to scenes that I love, but maybe we should go in a little bit more order than that. <laughs> I, I like, I guess I'll say that like in the kind of intricate storytelling in that first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, you start getting hints that like the robbers are inter- interchanging themselves with the hostages. They start having these flash forwards, which who has a flash forward um, to um, future interviews of all of the hostages being and robbers being interviewed. Um, you get a hint that like one of the hostages happens to be a former lawyer who now teaches about war reparations. And you're like, ah, you have right. They open up the um what do you call it? Safe deposit box, pull out an envelope, but leave the diamonds, right? And so you start getting all these teeny tiny hints that maybe not as all as it appears, which is such a wonderful way of kind of entering a heist movie. Right. Cause yeah, that's like the the big thing about it is uh they yeah, go in to rob this bank, uh, and there's like nothing that's taken that they can find. And so uh, as they're doing their investigation, uh, you know, Denzel finds out that uh, there's like a safety deposit box that's like not on the lists. Uh, and, you know, as we kind of like flash between uh, Denzel and Christopher Plummer, you know, who has arranged for Jodie Foster to come in as like this fixer uh, and make sure that the, the contents of this box are never seen. Uh, yeah, the the plot starts to uh, as a good Rue tends to do, uh, thicken. Lovely. <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we 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 find out there's uh, this this box that the owner. Well, it, it starts initially when he even finds out which branch of the many banks that he owns has been is being robbed. Uh, we see you know, Christopher Plummer, um, like immediately kind of have like an, Oh shit. Oh moment. shit moment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, that's when he calls in Jodie Foster, uh, after finding out like which branch of, you know, his banks is, is being robbed because yeah, there's a, a box and, you know, no one's supposed to know what's in the box and the box can never be opened and the contents can never be revealed. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, should we just get into it? <laughs> or... <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk a little bit about Jodie Foster and her character, because uh, she's introduced to taking a meeting with some guy who we are supposed to guess is involved, is tentatively involved in organized crime, because he's saying, like, oh, I'm just here to visit your wonderful city. And she's like, well, you're, you're not here seeing your uncle? And he's like, I haven't seen my uncle in a long time. And then uh, her assistant says, I have an Arthur Chase on the phone. And she's like, okay, we need to end this meeting right now. 
<laughs> yeah, we find out who that uncle is at the very end of the film. <laughs> yeah, but should I say it now or no? <laughs> well, that's one of the reveals again that uh, that uh, poor Christopher Plummer is now being blackmailed and by Jodie Foster into being a, 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 a what do you call it a science, uh, reference for. Bin Laden's nephew who wants to buy an apartment in New York, right? And right. so we kind of see that um, little thread of a storyline connected at the end. Yeah, because, um, yeah, she's like, I'm not sure if she, it feels like she has like a, it's never really clear, again, it's, you know, very intentionally clear, like unclear about like, who she works for, like what her like credentials are, like she could be like government black ops, <laughs> independent contractor, because she has like very high connections. Like is also like um you know has a lot like uh you know has a lot of pull because as she talks with Denzel, she like tells him you know pretty much like oh there was this thing in your past where there was this job like that happened and. This money happened, like went missing. This, this money went missing from um, a drug case that Denzel was working, like yeah. in previous years. Yeah, and so she's pretty much like, yeah, we can get all that to go away, get you up to like Lieutenant First Grade. Was that what it Detective was? First Grade? Yeah, yeah, Detective First Grade. Um, and you know, like pretty much like I can I can pull favors with like you know this government official, that government official. Uh, so I'm it's having like, it, lunch with the mayor. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> she interrupts the mayor's schedule, right? Exactly. So yeah, we, so yeah, we don't know like where specifically this authority comes from. Of like, you know, like yeah, is she like you know working like <laughs> at like for like the president? <laughs> Does she work like above that person even? Like it, it's like this. It's so nebulous. Like where her power comes from but like we just like see her just like wielding it like a fine tune like and loving wielding it <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> which i love yeah i i love like jodie foster just like in general like yeah yeah me too her icon jodie foster being a badass um uh, is always welcome yeah <laughs> I, I, I love jodie foster i love this kind of uh for lack of a better term, Southern charm that she has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's she... like, it's like that, like, uh, you know, that Southern, you know, thing of like, Oh, well bless your heart. You know, mm-hmm. that like, yes. Oh yeah. Like that, that can mean so many things from like, <laughs> fuck you. And like die in a fire. <laughs> so like, just like, Oh, you poor thing. Like it's yes. like all of like... <laughs> Yes. It's the whole spectrum. And she does that whole spectrum in this, right. That she's the Ivy league type that she's described. Denzel describes her as, ah, you know, Five Owens like you, Ivy League type. Um, but then she also, you know, gets her hands real dirty, uh, real fast. And her bark is worse, than, her bite is worse than her bark, right? Has all these right. Kind of wonderful lines of intimidation and just grins broadly when the mayor calls her a magnificent cunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... And I mean, th- this isn't a spoiler, but like at the end of the movie, she barges into the barber shop where Christopher Plummer is like, getting his haircut and everything and these guys are like lady you can't be in here she's like no i have an appointment and she just like walks right through <laughs> yep god i forget like what the i forgot who said it but there was someone who does talk about like um it's like oh, 
uh, I wish I could remember like exactly the quote, but it's like talking about like the word cunt and how like, oh, it's like, well, you lack neither the warmth nor the depth. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like such a great like analysis of like how Jodie Foster in this movie would like view being called that of like, yeah, you know what? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, and I can take a pounding. What the fuck? Like, (laughs) yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's just so nonplussed by like all of like, you know, these like, you know, dick showing maneuvers that like all of these like, you know, men who have like all of this assumed power like are, are trying to flex on her at any given time. Yep. She's just like so secure in herself and like just like what her abilities are that she's just like, all right, are you, are you done with your tantrum now? Yep. Now can we go back to being grown-ups? Grown-ups, exactly. Like, you called me here? Do you remember that? Like, you need me yeah. in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. Yep. And, and along with, you know, calling people names, man, I had not realized to watching it on this pass just how many... Um, terms are used to call that characters call one another in all kinds of you know the good the bad the ugly the racist the sexist the endearing but gosh there's a lot of them so i'm gonna try and say the ones i feel comfortable saying in public (laughs) but for example the um, woman when she's being interrogated about uh, and they're asking her about her breasts and whatnot and she's like she does, you know, the full like this guy asshole, right? Um, when she's they, talking about Ziggy from The Wire, when she's talking about Ziggy, yep, exactly. And then it, someone at one point calls her boobs, right? I think it's Ziggy calls her boobs, and when he's moving her from room to room, uh, they joke about the guy who comes out, uh, the first hostage who comes out, who's like, "Am I going to be on TV?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're going to be a big star, right?" Um, <laughs> they call each other bitches. Uh, they call each other Serpico, Kojak. Uh, some of these things I refuse to say on anywhere. Repeat. Um, uh, they uh, uh, Denzel jokes with the kid as he's interrogating him, and he says, "Okay, Brooklyn, like you're you're a tough kid, right? You're a brave kid." Um, and so I, and then it also shifts into like calling people uh, names, sometimes derogatory, sometimes not quite as derogatory, in other languages. Like I'd forgotten how many languages are spoken in this movie. Like you have uh, Michigoyam. You have, um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go Michigana. Uh, I can't, I, I will try saying this on the air. We might want to bleep it out, but um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. But like Wasa Wasa, there's a bunch of like um, like uh, Spanish slang that's used in this. Um, and then there's all of the kind of plurality of people in New York. There's fucking Albanian, too. Yes. <laughs> I don't speak Albanian, but my ex-wife speaks Albanian. They're definitely speaking Albanian. Yeah. Yes. I think that scene, the first time I saw it, I was like, delighted me to no end. Because, you know, when you live in New York, you hear every language being spoken all the time. That's one of the kind of glories and awful, you know, like, I know what a puñeta is, right? That that's one of the, like, yeah. um, but that uh, that scene where they're trying to figure out the language and they move between it being, well, is it Russian? Is it Polish? Is it Hungarian? Is it Bulgarian? Right? And just the idea of that that many people in New York would speak that many languages um, and and then uh, they put, so they put the speaker. Uh, yeah, Colin yeah, set up that, that, that scene. That goes to how <laughs> smart Denzel is as a detective. He's so like, well, just play this on the loudspeaker. 
And he mm-hmm. walks out to the street and says, anybody know what language that is? Right. <laughs> and right away, there's a guy who's like, yeah, they're speaking Albanian. <laughs> yup. <laughs> and then when they're interviewing one of, who is one of the, uh, I think he's one of the robbers. Um, he's like, oh, oh are you, uh, he uh, says, sorry. Um, oh, miss, he says his name. And then he says, ah, just call me Kenneth. Like, call me the anglicized version of my name. Um, and he's like, well, are you, are you Albanian? He's like, no, I'm Armenian. And they're like, well, what's the difference? He's like, look, I'm from Queens, okay, and I went to Australia yeah. once. <laughs> and that there, and you know, one of the um, characters, they're like, oh, Pablo, and he's like, no, just call me Paul, right? This kind of shifting between like the kind of power and the power of this um, power discrepancies, <laughs> right, uh, in this kind of multicultural environment. It was, it's really, really just smartly layered in there throughout the whole film. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the things that. Um... God, it gets so like watered down or just like left out completely in so many things of like um, New York. Yes. <laughs> like, like there's like like I don't know how many shows. Like I mean, you know, Friends is like you know like the, <laughs> like a show where it's just like, where did you find such a white New York uh, <laughs> yeah. in the '90s? Like now, yes, there are like pockets where like yeah, it's it's gentrified to all hell um and like yes that is like there are more pockets of that now uh within like new york city but like in the 90s it was just like how did you find like such a like whitewashed like you know sanitized version of like the city that like as someone who's literally only been there for 24 hours like, <laughs> I can tell you like I was like holy shit like like you can like move like you can see like the like waves of like different cultures like moving like through different areas like so like fluidly yes. yeah <laughs> and somehow like in so many like like pieces of media like you get like just like what is this like yeah there's <laughs> in um when harry met sally right everyone talks about that oh it's like new york city is a character and it's like well it's a very particular character in the city all the time and it drives yeah. me crazy yeah and and again like I, I when i was watching sex in the city i was like what's i was living in new york i'm like i can't handle watching the show it's like oh right because you wouldn't know that there was a subway at all <laughs> if you <laughs> watch sex in the city right <laughs> or that there are anyone other than these uh you know kind of wealthy white women um but but uh the mindy project that tv show does a really great job of um kind of skewering that where two characters are like showing each other their new york and they're like and man was it white <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I really just the kind of it's just sprinkled. It's just part of the tapestry of the world in the same way that New York is. And so I really, again, the good, the bad and the ugly of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so the <laughs> I guess we should uh, I guess we can talk about like the actual uh, like kind of crux of this, which is uh the robbery quote unquote uh is mainly just a an extortion bit like the the entire thing is it's they're not like trying to steal necessarily uh money directly from the bank but they are in a way because they're essentially trying to finding uh or they're going to extract the evidence of christopher Plummer, uh who uh it turns out like has 
made a deal with like the Nazis in World War II uh, and essentially, uh, uh, you know, as, you know, people are want to do just <laughs> decided to like uh find a way to profit off of like Holocaust. yeah <laughs> nazi like, collaborators as, as he says in it he sold his soul and he's been trying to buy it back ever since yeah it's just like oh my god fuck off dude like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but that's why it's such a great spike lee is it's first of all it's christopher Plummer. Like this yeah. beloved, like old white man actor, like so charming. He's got this great Shakespeare voice. He's got like, he does like all this great stuff, but to make that be the guy and to have him have that line to be like, right, yes, I sold my soul and I've been trying to fight back, but they don't forgive him at all. They're like, yeah, no, dude, you did this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I love that the criminals describe, you know, the quote unquote criminals, the people who are robbing a bank and committing a crime, describe Christopher Palmer's character as having low morals and blood money, right? And that like respect as the ultimate currency, that kind of inversion of like, who's the villain here is really, is really lovely, right? And that um, uh, Jodie Foster even calls Christopher but calls him out on this a little bit with Denzel where she's like, yeah, he's not really any different from the other half, like half of the fortune 500, right? These people are all corrupt and terrible and have sold their souls. Um, And so it's like, who is the immoral one? Who are the quote unquote real criminals in this world? And so I I love that it really points. It's it's a spikely, you know, like hitting you over the head with a hammer, but I love being hit with this hammer of who are the real criminals. Yeah, and I like that it's Christopher Plummer is a Nazi sympathizer because Christopher Plummer uh, being best known probably for The Sound of Music, Mm -hmm. where he's Captain Von Trapp and like the whole thing about him is like he refuses to work with the Nazis. He'll take his family over the Alps before he works with the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that it's, uh, a couple of things as far as like yeah Christopher Plummer this like you know this like genial like character who's like seen as like you know this like really friendly guy this like unassuming person uh, like it, ha- it is one, it was involved and profited like very intentionally off of like one of the greatest like human tragedies um, is like so perfect for uh like how like so much of like privilege works like within Mm -hmm. like world and like white privilege and is like this thing where so many people are like you know willing to benefit off of it uh while still like trying to wash their hands of it um and never really like holding themselves or being held accountable for like the uh their involvement in this like horrible like process <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then I, I one of the first things i wrote like when i was watching this because me being the <laughs> the you know crazy you know commie uh that i am <laughs> one of the first things i wrote like even before all of this was revealed i was like i mean is robbing a bank a victimless crime it feels like it is as long as <laughs> i mean outside of like the uh you know, the trauma of, like, the, the like, you know, customers and the people that, like, are working there. Like, the actual act of, like, <laughs> stealing money from this, like, you know, 
billionaire like who again i there's no there's no uh ethical way to get a billion dollars there's 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 just no, there's no ethical yeah. way that that is done <laughs> and so like as far as like just the stealing money part in that sense i was like you know i was already like on board to be like oh fuck this guy anyway. <laughs> like, those, like like definitely like feeling like for the people that like worked at the bank and like the people that were there that had to like deal with the trauma of like uh this like you know <laughs> experience uh but again just the act of like the money itself i'm like uh you know what that guy could could stand to lose uh you know a few million dollars and it would literally <laughs> not do anything to him <laughs> like and that's the thing is like he's not even worried about the money itself he's only worried about his own image and reputation yep. like should this information be made public that's uh, and that's why it it works out in the end because they're able to like steal this uh steal this evidence uh and uh and extort him for the money that they want without ever having to actually steal from him uh like directly yes and And, and that's what makes it such a good heist movie because it's like on the surface it's all about oh they're robbing the bank but then it turns out they're not robbing the bank at all it's 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 all a subterfuge And, and like the best heist movies are movies that always keep you guessing, always keep you like, oh, what's going on? Like, what is the actual story? And it, like, it, that's why I love this movie. Yeah. And the twists and turns and how you get there and how you as a kind of audience member arrive at the, oh, this is, they're not, they're not even stealing the cash, right? They're sitting on, they're using it as a chair, these blocks of cash and they're the kid and the Clive Owen are sitting on them, right? Eating pizza. When when Clive Owen brings the kid a slice of pizza and he wants to talk to him about this, it's basically Grand Theft Auto, this video game that he's playing, and he's like, "I need to talk to your dad. This this game is too violent and messed up." <laughs> and the and the kid is saying, "Well, you know, like the I, he quotes, uh, uh, 50 cent. yeah, the, right." And that the, there's and the heart of this story, it's all this commentary about greed, right? Uh, the greed of the Nazi collaborator, the greed of um, people in place to protect him, the greed in that video game, um, that money shouldn't matter if you're in love, so you should get engaged to your fiance even though you don't have enough money, right? That there's um, a lot of kind of moralizing around greed in this movie. I actually wrote that line down as well. Clive says, do you love each other? He says, yeah. Well, then money shouldn't matter. And then Denzel says, well, thank you, bank robber. Bank robber. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) 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 Yeah. uh, I, I have one other scene that I wanted to talk about, but I don't know where we want to go next. I mean, I was going to like kind of head towards the end from here um, of just the uh, the I guess it's not the main twist, but it is kind of like the the last kind of like turn of the screw um, with like Clive Owen, where we find out like how the whole heist was completed uh, and (laughs) where he actually was in that first scene, uh, because we it turns out that. Uh, him and his crew had come in before. Uh, was this like when the bank was first being built? Like this was like like, mm-hmm. was like, was, like they <laughs> they came in and uh, they they built an entire like false room. No, no like, they do and, that during the whole heist. 
Like, oh, is while, that what they were doing? Oh, what they're digging. while they've got everybody in those rooms, they're in like that little office on the side, and they're building that false wall oh. in front of the uh, the printer paper and doing all this. Yeah. So they're they're digging up the floor and everything so that he has a hole that he can shit into. Um, but yeah, they build this, and that's why they're stalling they, for time. That's yeah. why they're stalling right, for time right. too. Is they're they're making this whole thing so that Clive Owen can spend like a week in this little hole while like everybody gets interrogated everybody like gets cleared they find out that nothing was stolen except for the safe deposit box that doesn't exist and then clive owen he says when he's first talking to denzel like i'm gonna walk out the front door and then he does exactly that and denzel is walking in and clive owen is walking past him and he bumps into him and he puts a diamond in his pocket so they can put it into a ring to propose to his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i i totally like i yeah because it was the flashback scene where they were like showing that and i was remembering they, they were talking in the after the uh after the actual like uh bank robbery part of it had like uh shut down and there and denzel was saying like they hadn't dug anything or anything like that but i was like i feel like i remember seeing them looking down into a hole so i was like yeah. okay <laughs> they did they, they definitely did. looked down into a hole because they uncovered some subsurface utilities okay it, it, it was a, it looked like an electrical line some sort of communications line and then a uh either a water or some sort of sewer service i know oh right i forgot you've got your (laughs) yeah you're you're a pro (laughs) (laughs) yeah you guys forgot there's a survey on the the call Yeah, uh, so that was just me like missing that, and <laughs> well, I've seen this movie multiple times, and every time I watch it, it reveals something new that I didn't see. Like I had never realized that the van that they drive, you know, that they pick everybody up in to commit the crime, and they go go into the bank dressed in white, and it's a white van, and then over the course of it, they change into the you know darker clothes. The you know, black jumpsuits that they put everybody in. And that black van that they have out there is totally a decoy, right? Because they arrived in a different van. And I was like, oh, how many times have I seen this and not realized that they they were smart enough to have a decoy van? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a, it's a really good heist movie. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's really fun. It's also, the scene I wanted to talk about is the one where, uh, is the scene between Denzel Washington and the cop who stumbled into discovering the robbery. Um, Yes, the the first officer on the scene, yeah. Yes, and so, uh, and I'm not going to reuse the word that the cop says, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but Denzel kind of cuts in and says, you know what, do me a favor, Tone down the color commentary. Yeah, can, can we tone down the color commentary? <laughs> yeah, and he looks like annoyed that he was like that he yeah. would say that too. Like, yeah. like what? Like, are you, what? <laughs> I can't yeah. be racist in front of you. Like, <laughs> the cop is telling Denzel that he had a gun like shoved into his face, and he says, "Have you ever had a gun shoved in your face before?" He's like, "Yeah, by a fucking twelve-year-old." <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, he almost uses the n-word, and yes, then like, pulls, and then almost he pulls it back. He's like, he's like, he's like African American. I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> yep. And then he says, then he says, because I wrote this down because again, this is how you know this is a Spike Lee movie, right? That he's like, well, pardon the euphemism. 
optimism, but I'd rather die an old bigot than a handsome young corpse, right? Oh, and yeah. so it's like just how folks, how people can justify their own kind of racist beliefs. Is that And just a, you know, two minute scene while they're like shooting the shit waiting for something to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, yeah. Also... sorry. Go ahead, Greg, go ahead. Go ahead, Colin. Uh, okay. So also um, when Denzel and Chitwell as you first show up on the scene, they go into the little command center and it's Willem Dafoe and Willem Dafoe's like, well, here's how it works. You need to talk to this guy because he's in charge and Denzel immediately takes charge. He's like, no, that guy's on vacation. Detective Frazier is who's in charge. I'm Detective Frazier. I'm the big dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Willem Dafoe's character also has some very uh, color commentary <laughs> that he makes throughout right. the, the, the whole, um, which again is... And that's why it's just kind of interwoven into the fabric of the movie in the same way it's interwoven into the fact into the fabric of American culture, New York culture, et cetera. So it's really smartly done. Yeah, and I don't. This is like uh, I don't know. It's it's complicated for me. I guess I just have like a weird like it's a, it's a weird dynamic of having like showing and it and it comes up in black Klansmen too of like showing yep. these like you know horrible racist like police officers but then like also having these like quote unquote like good ones who like become like the heroes of the story yes. <laughs> it's just like uh i oh god yeah. it, it's just it's just weird to me and i i guess i get it like especially like within the context of like the world uh, and like within like this movie uh, especially like who else is going to like <laughs> you know show up and arrive and you know try and solve a bank robbery <laughs> other than like cops but uh i don't know it, it's just like a weird dynamic for me like to yeah. have like and and i'm sure like you know um <laughs> i'm sure spike has his own uh <laughs> his own conflicting you know whatever yes yeah Yeah, and that's why that scene where the scene where they're all of the um uh uh, hostages are released where you know innocent people are being shot by the police with you know um, rubber guns or rubber bullets bullets, everyone's terrified they're treating everyone like a criminal uh one of the characters is like i'm the you know i work security here you say you're listening but nobody's listening why am i being treated like a criminal right and it's quite sad and shows the kind of violence that happens. Um, again, this is also post 9-11 New York. This is only a cu- and takes place right where the World Trade Center fell. So that there is this real kind of adoration of cops going on in New York at the time. And so to portray them as uh, like, I, that scene is hard for me to watch, <laughs> right? Of kind of throwing all of the kind of hostages on the ground. You know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, where but it is also, not a very pretty portrayal of the NYPD. <laughs> but, but it's also Spike Lee's, like, interpretation of the police. Like, whether they be the heroes or the villains or both, it, it's all from the perspective of Spike Lee. So, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the cops are not heroes in this. The villains, the robbers are sort of the heroes. The billionaires are not the hero, are the villains, right? All of that kind of gets mushed up a little bit. But you're right that there is the kind of good cop uh, quality that is shared with Black Klansmen, where you're like, you end the movie being like, oh, Denzel did right. <laughs> you know, like he's the moral one here, right? And, he and in Black. He to go home with a diamond to propose to his girlfriend. His girlfriend. And, and she's going to 
take his hat and ring it around her foot in the most sexy thing that any human being has ever done in her life. <laughs> her legs are just going to kick into frame. Oh, it's so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, but in Black Klansman, and this is, I think, a difference between this movie, which again was far more commercial, much bigger budget, right? This was kind of his giant commercial film, or it's not giant, but larger. Well, his, his most commercially successful film, for sure. Yeah, but also, you know, like the cast and whatnot and kind of the closing down that part of New York ain't cheap. Um, but that uh, uh, with Black Klansmen, you have the kind of hero cop, everything's fine, but it ends with a burning cross, right? So that there's a difference here where, you know, the good cop ends up, you know, hopefully proposing to his girlfriend, whereas in Black Klansmen, the good cop ends up with a burning cross on his lawn. Right. That all is not right, <laughs> as a, as a, if, because the three good cops did well. <laughs> all right. Well, do you have any more notes on uh, Inside Man? Uh, I already mentioned that Ziggy from The Wire, uh, yep. the actor James Rashon is in this, but also Judge Phelan from The yep. Wire, Peter Garrity, <laughs> is in this movie. Um I also wrote down Denzel in that summer suit with an exclamation point, like at the end of the movie when he's wearing that, that light colored suit. I'm like, my God, I wish I could ever look that good. <laughs> I mean, it's Denzel, like we all do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that, you know, having lived in New York, the scene where they're arguing about the trains and like, nah, Metro North goes there, right? Yes, like, there's, that is like, a, you hear that fight two times a day in New York, <laughs> you know? So it's really kind of delightful. I also wrote down another line that I loved when Denzel is uh, crashing uh, Jodie Foster and the mayor, like having lunch. And the major D says, well, can I take your hat, please? And he says, no, you cannot. Get your own. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last thing is that I just wanted to point out the way in which he does a fantastic job of kind of capturing visually how power is even inscribed in these buildings in New York, right? The kind of celebration of the Art Deco style, kind of white marble neoclassical, the carved interiors, the columns, the carved wooden interiors of uh, Christopher Plummer's, you know, billionaire's mansion. Yeah, like Uh, when we're introduced to Jodie Foster, it's this, like she commands the entire top floor of this building and she's got this, you know, crazy Mac with a video conferencing thing set up. It's to her assistant who's in the other room. <laughs> who's on a video conference in the next room. Yep. Oh yeah. Do you have any uh, stats on this one? Colin? Uh, we do. Uh, this movie has a 7.6 on IMDb. It has a 76 on Metacritic. It has an 86% Rotten Tomatoes and 85% audience tomatoes. It had a budget of $45 million. Its opening weekend, it made $88 million, and its worldwide gross was $186 million. So a huge financial smash for Spike Lee. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, that's... um... Yeah, that uh, sums up uh, Inside Man. <laughs> and all uh, fucked up, complicated racial components of New York City. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, let's uh, move on. Do we have uh, recommendations? 
sure, I'll go. Uh, Black Klansman, which we've also reviewed. Uh, other um, heists, if you like heists, the, just a couple to mention. Um, Lucky Logan, if you haven't seen that. Ronin, if you haven't we've seen that. We've done that one too, actually. We, we've done Logan Lucky, yeah. Oh, you did? Yes. You weren't you aren't here yet. Oh, got it. It was in the before times. <laughs> the before <Yes>. times. <laughs> um, Hell or High Water. I'm just doing kind of recent ones. Um, but I was reminded, uh, you know, in the COVID era, everyone wants a good pick-me-up. So I was thinking of uh, The Lady Eve, which uh, starring Barbara Stanwyck and Henry Fonda, where she it's not quite a heist, but she's a con woman who's conning Henry Fonda out of his, who's a kind of billionaire heir, uh, you know, heir to a fortune, but instead became a nerdy academic who studies snakes. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and she just runs like rings around him and is so much smarter and wonder. It's hilariously funny. Yeah. It's, um, Preston Surge's from the forties. Good movie. Nice. Good stuff. Colin, what do you got for us? Uh, I already talked about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. That's uh, my new thing. Uh, Rachel Bloom is the creator and star of that show. Uh, it's a musical. It's a sitcom. It's female-driven. It's awesome. But if you're talking about things like this, we're talking about uh, Inside Man or Spike Lee or Denzel Washington, and Denzel Washington is what I'm going to uh, be talking about, there is a, uh excellent podcast called Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period. With uh, W. Kamal Bell and Kevin Avery, they have an excellent episode on Inside Man, and they also have an excellent episode on my favorite Denzel Washington movie, which is Crimson Tide. Um, Is that the submarine one? It's the submarine movie with uh, Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman as the commanders of a submarine, and they uh, get into a fight about launching nuclear weapons. It's my favorite submarine movie. It's probably my favorite Denzel movie. It's awesome. We're probably going to end up doing it on this podcast at some point. <laughs> I just, the title Crimson Tide is just, I don't know. It's a, I can't see it without thinking of the euphemism. <laughs> I know. I did not, I was trying to come up with a way to not be too crass asking you what you, you thought when you heard the term Crimson Tide. <laughs> you can be crass. <laughs> yeah. I remember when it came out, I was like, who? named this movie that <laughs> Tony Crimson Scott, Tide. It, it, it was probably um i don't think any ladies were involved in the marketing for oh, that movie hell no. <laughs> hell no. it's um oh i'm trying to think they were like the biggest cocaine fueled action movie producers of like the 80s and yes. 90s yeah um it's got the production logo with the little lightning flash that comes down. I cannot believe I'm blanking on Brockheimer. Brockheimer, yes. Brockheimer. It, Jar- Brockheimer. I guarantee it was Jerry Brockheimer who came up with the term Crimson Tide. <laughs> and he was, he was on all of the cocaine. Craig, <laughs> <laughs> right, what well, you got? Yeah, Craig, what I you got? would uh, recommend, yeah, for Happy Good Times, um, She-Ra, again, very good show. Um, Keep on the Age of the Wonder Beasts, uh, both on Netflix. Uh, yeah, DreamWorks animation is still going strong, y'all. Um, let's see, similar to this kind of, I would say Good Girls on NBC um it's also i think the first two or three seasons are on hulu or the first two seasons are on netflix and probably also hulu and then like the current season is uh going to hulu the next day as it airs um 
And yeah, it's like a group of women who um, end up, they rob a store, end up getting in more over their heads than they can't, than they, you know, uh, than they expected. uh, And then end up like headed down a life of crime. Um, But it's all kind of like them trying to pretty much just like take care of their families and stay afloat. Um, And it is... Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good show and it takes, um, it, it's what weeds wanted to be be. (laughs) after season three, like, like, you know, weeds was good for the first like two seasons. I I actually like rewatched the first two seasons of weeds. Mm -hmm. And then like, I tried to start the third season and literally got like, is that when they have Mexico where what point is I think like three? later in that season is like when they do but it's like the mm-hmm. be- it's like just like starting from the beginning of that season like you can already just like see yeah. like just like <laughs> they got in over their heads like, <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> every like aspect of the show like the care like within the world of the show and also like the like people that were like you know writing and creating the show like you know i love jinji kohan but like it was just like getting like wild at that point and so like mm-hmm. um i mean i feel like orange is the orange is the new black takes the same kind of like trajectory yeah. but um yeah good girls like it's like it's scaling like at a really good rate right now and so it's like the third season i think is like getting towards the end uh, and i think they just got renewed for a four season yesterday um and it's like um yeah it just, it just scales like the stakes scale so well like over the course of the Ooh, three fun. it's like a really good build as opposed to like all of a sudden like <laughs> it becomes cartoonish you know, all, I mean, yeah like, tunnels and doing human trafficking in mexico from, like <laughs> yep. you know going from like selling weed in a suburb to that is just like what yeah <laughs> how did the we get here <laughs> <laughs> that's quite the leap isn't it yep. <laughs> the show's called weeds why why are we here now i don't um <laughs> uh, so yeah good girls is a really good show uh and again it's got like um you know a good like the cast is diverse like retta is in it and oh this is, is the show amazing. with retta oh yeah right. christina okay. hendrix is amazing um yeah there's like um lydia jewett uh or no not um where is who's christina hendrix uh, she was in Mad Men, I think. Yeah, I haven't yes. seen Mad Men. Okay. She's, yeah. she's famous for Mad Men. She's in uh, two excellent episodes of Firefly. She's in lots of She other is. Stuff. Yeah, she plays a good villain in Firefly. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, Mae Whitman's in it. She's really good, too. Um, yeah, it's just a really good show. Um, yeah, it's got, um, you know, Mae Whitman, uh, her name is Annie in the show and she has like a trans son, which is really awesome. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's just like a really, like, it's a, it's, it gets like deep and like kind of intense. It's like, it's definitely like a drama, but it's got like, you know, really good, like comedic moments, but it's definitely a drama overall. So, um, yeah, well, I'm it, sold. That's what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Highly recommend Good Girls. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you all for listening. Please give us a follow on the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at IWYTWT. We are uh, at our website, which is IWYTWT.com. Um, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IWYTWT. 
Um, yeah, you can follow us at all of your podcatcher apps. Uh, please leave us a rating and review us at five stars. We would love you forever. Um, uh, yeah, that wraps us up for today. Um, oh, yeah, you can find me and Colin both individually. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch, and I am also still doing uh, with our friends in the world of indie podcasting uh the james bond fantasy league uh we've already released the draft episode and the octopusy episode um the man with the golden gun should be coming out this week and then we will be recording uh a view to a kill very soon Ooh, awesome super fun and i have music for us to play out this week <laughs> awesome, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah so yeah oh, that's gonna be at movie date night correct yes it's it's at movie date night um yeah, you should so, also yeah. be listening to them and following them on all of the things it's an excellent podcast in its own right awesome sauce well yeah play us out tara <laughs> Chain your 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 chain your